All right, let's uh, let's do that, huh? On uh, uh, three, two, one, record. Guess what Paul is saying? <laughs> hey, that's, that's one of those. That's like a modern jazz where nobody enjoys it except us. There's always hope, Paul. There's always hope. I re- so the rapper I talked about last week, Soul, he actually on um, one of his, like, um, not like studio albums, but his, like, I don't know, like he called it a B-side album or whatever, like a tour-only CD. He had a track uh, where he set it up so you could have a cypher with Soul, so you could, like, you know, battle him. And so he'll he'll do, a you know, like his turn in the cypher, and then the beat will keep going, it'll be silent. Plus, he's also responding to what the you know theoretic other person is doing, um, you know, with like exclamatories and stuff like that. So, kind of like uh, you know, what we almost just did. I guess it's like a build your own good. rap battle kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually a really cool idea. I've never even like I've never heard of that sort of thing. Yeah, and it fits in really well. Like it's it like because his lines are are good on it, but it, like the just the whole thing of it. Because I mean, you get you know. Those kind of tour-only uh, indie hip-hop CDs and stuff like that, like they're going to have a lot of uh, freestyles, battles, and stuff like that on there because it's it's good content. But it's it's like watching a, a band perform live, or you know, a recording them performing live when they aren't just doing the songs. When they start doing other stuff, mm-hmm. or they start like changing up the songs. And, you know, it's like it's just stuff that you, you can only see in the moment. So it's kind of a cool thing to capture like that. But it worked really well. Yeah, that's cool. It almost seems like a, a band leaving out the guitar solo and saying, "Okay, now you play air guitar." <laughs> or, or <something. laughs> like, it, I, I feel like if I got into a rap battle with anybody, I would just be very disappointed in myself and my performance and how I'd say, "I've, I've lost this war." <laughs> I can see defeat immediately. Yes, yes. Do your uh, second line. I'll, I'll be Germany in 1918. Just tell me your terms. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I have something to admit. I I didn't do my homework. Oh, you're grounded. Yeah, I no know. No Star Wars for you until the next podcast. Ah, oh, shoot. Okay. Well, does that include books? Especially books. Oh. You oh, may man. only watch Lego Star Wars cartoons on mute. Oh, well. Oh, well I, I never do that anyway. <laughs> I'm right in the middle of a, a very bad Star Wars book. Okay, you can finish that one then. Oh, yeah, it, it actually would be more punishment than not to to keep going. I'm I'm going back and rereading all the old uh, Legends books that I didn't get to when I was uh, initially reading them, and these are all the books that came out before uh, Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. So they kind of just cut cut it right there and said, okay, everything that came before is no longer canon, like we're starting fresh. So these hundred books that you have and read are now not officially the story anymore. (laughs) Which I was kind of upset about for like 10 seconds. And then I realized, eh, it doesn't matter. The stories still exist and I can still like them. But I'm I'm going back and, and filling in the cracks of what I missed back then. And they're kind of hit and miss. Some are pretty darn good. Some are pretty darn bad. Part of me wishes that I had something like that for one of the things I'm into. Like this great, great volume of material. Part of me is kind of grateful that I don't. I can't see going back and reading a bunch of uh, 
possibly very bad. You know, it's like a TMNT. I'm not going to go back and watch the uh, the live action TV show. Uh, I've tried watching a few minutes of that, and that was enough uh, punishment. Somehow, I missed the um, the uh, like musical tour they did. Like, I've known this has existed for quite a long time. I was wait, seven when that wait, happened. Musical tour? You don't know about that? The coming out of the shell tour. Uh, we'll save that topic for another time. Uh, I'll look into it a little bit more, but. Uh, Okay, because this, yeah. this sounds bizarre. Like the the only thing that I think would could top it would be like Ninja Turtles on Ice or something. It's it's the equivalent of that, pretty much. I think. Um, okay. I, I got to look into because I've honestly I, I've known this existed for a long time. I've never tried to watch it. I've it's, it's the reason it's just got brought back up to my mind is they're actually uh, NECA is releasing a series of figures based on that, um, which are actually kind of cool, and I kind of want them, but. It came out when I was seven, so I would think that I would have still been, like, eating up everything Turtles at that time. All I could guess is I might have just discovered pro wrestling at that time, so I had, like, another interest to take some of my attention, so I mm. wasn't quite as fully absorbed on the Turtles, but, uh, like, I know I was still a Turtles fan after that, like, as a kid. Anyways, uh, but yeah, mm. so, like, that, that's, I guess, kind of my example of the bad Star Wars novel is the couple random Turtle things that aren't really, um worth going back and checking out as an adult it's funny going back and checking out childhood car cartoons as an adult i think and and by funny i don't mean like it makes you laugh <laughs> i think it more <laughs> makes you wonder boy how did i ever sit through this as, as a child i i went back and watched some he-man cartoons <laughs> and I mean, I know I was f like four years old when I was a He-Man fan, but still, they were a very rough watch. It was a very, very difficult to just watch. It was a, they were just very odd, very basic cartoons, especially by today's standards where animated shows can be, you know, as well put together as any TV show. It was uh, very jarring because in my mind, what I remembered was very different from the reality of what was there. Yeah, you know, and I think um, seeing how my son reacts to stuff now, I think that a lot of that stuff, it's more about how it opens up your imagination rather than just being pure entertainment. So as an adult where we would go to watch it and we're like, we want to be entertained by this, not just have like some, you know really rough thing but then it sparks our brain to take it further you know my son he's of that age he loves youtube videos and um i know plenty of people find it entertainment on youtube but that's one thing that like i'll find stuff on there sometimes but i'm not one of those that goes to youtube as a source of entertainment and consistently watches anything on youtube but he watches youtube videos and he's entertained but it's so just like gratuitous entertainment no nothing challenging nothing really like the one thing i will say is he'll watch like a lot of minecraft videos and he'll he'll learn how to do stuff from watching the videos and then want to do it on minecraft and it's pretty impressive the stuff that he's, he can do um i literally all i've taught him how to do on minecraft is how to move around when he first wanted it and i first got it for him which has been probably a couple or a few years ago now um nah, maybe not a few that's too long i maybe two years ago something like that um all i showed him how to do is walk around and i said the rest is up to you you gotta figure it out and he's figured it all out and he can do stuff I can't do on Minecraft because I've never tried to figure it out. Uh, but like hmm. he he doesn't he doesn't exercise his brain in the same way. So if he's watching YouTube videos, if he watches too many, 
he starts to act bratty because his he's not working his mind and really like i mean this wow. is very real like people who who ignore their kids and just like put them in front of a tv or something like that because they don't want to deal with them they're mm-hmm. literally making their kids behavior worse because they're not making their kids be mentally healthy basically so it's gonna affect their behavior wow. negatively for him he won't go to bed as well if he does too much of that but on the the other side if he watches a movie if he watches a cartoon show very different like it's not having the same uh negative effect on him and it's not that the youtube videos are just negative it's that too it's just like eating too much candy you can fill yourself up eating candy and be full but you're not gonna feel well you're gonna behave poorly you know it's like it's gonna have negative effects on you it's the same thing is the adult version of that like too much twitter yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. a very good example. Like if you if you're looking for your entertainment going to social media and just trying to see what other people are saying, uh, best case scenario, you're filling yourself your mind with a bunch of very very small uh, tidbits of entertainment that there's no work there. You're not like you know you're not working your mind at all. The worst case scenario we know that on you know on Twitter is you're filling your mind with a bunch of you know negativity and awful things, and that'll definitely yeah it's it's very similar thing you know very similar doing that um i know like for myself and my wife same thing if we are distracting ourselves with our phones rather than like trying to entertain ourselves with something that is at all you know a challenge then we are not like working out our mental energy we're just like pushing it back and then it all comes out later you know yeah it's almost a a, a numbing effect i feel like exactly so anyways, to, so, yeah I think that's what those old cartoons are is they're they're not doing all the work of entertaining you. And it's it's not like something noble on their part. They were poorly made, cheap things made to sell toys. But I think that um, I see my son watch something like that and then he gets so excited to go play with his toys. And he actually wants like he'll stop watching stuff in the middle of it sometimes because he wants to go play with the ideas that he came up with. So that's 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 really interesting. I've never actually thought about it that way that those cartoons were actually in a way lessons to us about ways that we can play with our toys. Yeah. I'm sure that that's how I responded to these things. I'm, Cause I know I watched a lot of GI Joe cartoons in my life. Uh, and I've have played with a lot of GI Joe toys and uh, I never really put that together though, that the cartoon was kind of teaching me how to play with my toys it was showing me okay who are the who are the good guys who are the bad guys what what kind of things could the vehicles do or what might they be able to do you were just i I don't know like i i know i came up with all my own stuff at the same time but it's interesting to think of them that way because as an adult looking at it it just kind of looks like mindless entertainment yeah i mean look at color forms you remember color forms no, what were color forms? They were the the little like plastic stickers that you'd stick on the scenery and you can move them around, you know? Like, oh, remember, yeah. So they okay. were like clings, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So for us as kids, and I'm surprised like you didn't uh, you know, have this experience with them, but like I, you're you're slightly older than me, but you had to have still been in the color forms era. Um, Pro- yeah, I'm sure. I was an 80s those, kid, so. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're only you're barely older than me then. I probably just don't remember them as the name color forms. Is yeah, like. but they're yeah, they're like the you get one for I don't know, like say I might have a TMNT set and would have like a a scene that's just on a piece of cardboard, basically like in the box that they come in, and you have these uh you know plastic clings, 
and you just you stick them on there. And yeah, I had those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could look at them as an adult and be like, these are dumb. You could look, I mean, even kids nowadays are going to look at these and be like, what do they do? But the thing was, is there was nothing to them, but like, I remember having fun with them. I couldn't tell you exactly what we did with them or, you know, what I did with them, but it's because you're acting things out in your mind with these simple little tools, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what tools are. You, what uh, toys are, you watch the, the cartoons and you get ideas about how they can interact, but then you run crazy with it on your own. Uh, like I remember that with, you know, my Ninja Turtle toys. I remember like a good, more specific example for me is, uh, when I had wrestling action figures and I watched wrestling because I would have matches. I would, I would have like full cards. I would have like Royal Rumbles. I would, um, and I would think everything out. So it wasn't just like, you know, grabbing a couple of them and just banging them together. Like I would see what I saw when I watched wrestling and then I would, you know, go from there and elaborate, make up my own stuff and, uh, you know, I have these elaborate things that I, I played out. And I think that's like, yeah, the like the old cartoons are more like that. And you watch newer cartoons, they're, they're better entertainment value. Uh, they're better produced. But then there are some of them that you can see that are clearly different where you can watch them. And when you're done watching them, you don't feel like you had any kind of relaxation with it. You didn't like your brain didn't work out anything because they're so just blatantly syrupy entertainment that you don't get a time to actually think. You're just constantly reacting to it. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think so, of an example of of that. Like I don't know. What, I I feel like SpongeBob might be a good example of that, where there's just so much zaniness going on all the time that you, you're not. It's less about the story and more about the zaniness. I don't even think that's as good of an example. As some of the newer shows are. There's this weird idea in what you're saying that is the opposite of what seems intuitive, which is that you're going to get more relaxation out of something that exercises your mind than something that just kind of numbs your mind. Because yeah. I, I think that the conventional thinking is that you want something that takes as little thought as possible to just relax your mind and take your mind off things and go with the flow, just something silly and the meaningless like spongebob or like watching a a rerun of friends for the 12th time or you know or something like that um when it, it seems like maybe it's the opposite that is actually a little more relaxing is to do something that is a little bit more engaging so that you actually exercise your mind yeah, and I think the the numbing part is useful sometimes and to some extent, you know, like potentially every day. Um, but only doing that is bad. It's the I think it's the equivalent of saying uh, I'm going to sit on my couch and do nothing all day. At the end of the day, will I feel rested? No, you actually won't. You'll feel crappy at the end of the day uh-huh. uh, compared to something that's very mildly challenging. Like I'm going to go for a very casual walk. It's not a challenge. But it's still, it's moving your body. It's, you know, it's making you feel somewhat better. It's give, giving you even just a little bit of exercise. That would be something that's simple, like a, an old episode of Friends. Or, um, you know, like my my wife loves playing Animal Crossing. That's a good example. Where it's like, there, there's nothing unpredictable about the game, really. There's, you know, some new stuff. You're challenging yourself in very minor ways. But it's just fun to play. It's relaxing. You cannot even think about what you're doing and do it. And that's mm-hmm. that's good to an extent, but if that's all you do, it's still not going to end up being enough. You know, and then you have other things that are more challenging, and like you're filling in the gaps, and that's you know a little more vigorous exercise for your brain. But like you need 
you need some of all of that stuff, but it's really easy to lean towards the, I'm going to sit on my couch and, you know, eat junk food and watch TV all day mental, you know, like that's the physical version of like the mental exercise of, I'm just going to watch YouTube videos all day. You know, hmm. there's a lot of stuff you can be entertaining yourself with on YouTube. Uh, but if you're just like pounding through YouTube videos all day, are you even going to remember everything that you watched? Like there's nothing substantial about it. So you go through like all of this, but you're, you're not letting your brain work on anything else. And then you yeah. end up feeling bad for it later. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh. Yeah. All right. There's your lesson for the day. <laughs> All right. I know. This got into a very, very, uh, heavy <laughs> dose of like cognitive therapy. <laughs> you didn't do we, your homework, we, so I had to teach you something, I guess. Yeah. Every every episode, we seem to have some sort of a, a lesson for so people. Your homework was going to be watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right? It was. It I'm, was. And I rented it, and it's been like staring me at the face on my Amazon account and I'm even getting the nasty reminders like, Hey, you better watch this. You rented it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I just haven't had the right time to just sit down for like two plus hours to watch it. Yeah. And I know that feeling. I, <laughs> I think that that's why, um, I actually am not very well versed in, in movies. Like there's a lot of movies I just haven't seen. And I think it's because it's, it's very rare that I find myself in a circumstance where I want to just sit down for two or more hours and watch something. Yeah, I completely understand that. That's why I like streaming is at least you can watch part of it and then stop and pick it back up. Like for Mm me, I started a couple years ago uh, building up a collection of um, Criterion Collection Samurai movies along with a few other non-Samurai movies. But like not only are they not streaming, so I have to like – sit and watch them and even if i stop them like i have to make sure like nobody ejects the disc or whatever so the blu-ray player doesn't forget where it's at but um there's subtitles you have to pay a hundred percent attention when watching them you can't throw it on and be distracted doing something else or throw it on while you're you know cooking dinner or something like that like you got to watch it just yeah. watch it um and I like they're they're great movies, and I mean that kind of goes to the whole mental exercise thing too. Like I watch one of those, and it's not always the right time to watch them, but like when I do, it's definitely like I feel different afterwards than if I put something on that I'm only halfway paying attention to. You know, like you Star Wars. have to like watch it with purpose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, maybe, maybe the secret to Star Wars then is to watch like a foreign language dub. With the American subtitles, or maybe just that would <laughs> force you to like have to sit there and read the words and engage with it in that way. Yeah, you know, I, when we talked last time, I actually had a good idea about it, and I think that what I really need to do is I need to start watching the newest trilogy first because I haven't seen it. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna fall back on the I okay, I already know what's happening, and then like start to lose my attention without meaning to. Because, like, I can appreciate, you know, critically appreciate the first movie more than anything else, or, you know, at least the first trilogy, like, however you want to look at how good they all are. But, like, I, there's, I appreciate those for what they are, but I've seen them so much, it's really easy to stop paying attention, even if I'm trying to. The new ones, mm-hmm. it'd be all new. And then watching them is also, when I go back and watch the, the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy, there's going to be things I engage with differently after watching the new ones that might actually make them more engaging. Interesting. But it's still yeah. talking about 18 hours, 18 plus hours of engagement. So we'll see how long it takes me to actually get around to that while I'm sitting on like 20 that's... samurai movies I want to watch. 
Do you have any favorite samurai movies? Yeah. Um, Seven Samurai is definitely uh, probably probably the best, the, like the top. Got to be it's, one of the classics of all it's, time. It's a long movie, but that's a good example of a movie that you. I mean, you're investing, I think, over three hours into that movie. It's long, but it's really good, and it is uh, one of the things that's really interesting, especially like watching Kurosawa movies and then watching westerns. Is how many westerns are directly just westernized Kurosawa movies? So Seven hmm. Samurai, of course, is the Magnificent Seven. A uh, Magnificent Seven. Apparently, I can't talk clearly this morning. Um, but th- that's like it's a fantastic movie, but it's kind of a big investment. He has two other movies, Yojimbo and Sanjuro. That Sanjuro is like the sequel to Yojimbo. Um, those are good, a little bit shorter. Um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Mifune in the main role who uh, Mifune is uh, probably the best actor in like those samurai movies. Like he's very like this is all stuff that I've learned recently. But so pretty much like if he's in something like I know how good he is from like seeing him and stuff. But then also from other people like talking about how good he is. Uh, but those two movies are also directly made into Westerns. I was watching. um a Fistful of Dollars the other day. I hadn't watched it in a long time, but I bought, you could buy like all four, or like a, a DVD of like four Clint Eastwood movies. And it's um, like that trilogy, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's one other movie on there too. Um, you can buy it for like 10 bucks at Target. Like it's, you know, you can get it dirt cheap. But Fistful of Dollars is uh, directly taken from, it's either Yojimbo or Sanjuro. I think it was Sanjuro, and I think Yojimbo is another Western that just was directly taken from, you know, from that. But those so are really good. What I wonder is, is the mythos of the samurai in Japan then kind of similar to the mythos of the cowboy in America? I think so. It's, I mean, the samurai movies are typically based off the, like, the wandering ronin, like, a, you know, a masterless samurai. A lot of times it's based off of that. Um, that's okay. what, that's what westerns are, you know? Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. wandering, uh, you know. The lone gunman kind yeah. of thing. The, the stranger, the mysterious stranger who kind of lives on his own and lives by his own rules and his own moral code and is, uh, very capable because he, um, relies on only himself and must be capable to survive kind of yeah. character. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the same kind of myth though. So it, it works perfectly and you know, it makes good movies in both genres. Do you have uh, what's the new uh, HBO service like HBO max or whatever that just, no, uh, I don't. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. If you do get that, uh, apparently I, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that a lot of those movies are on there. So oh, it's okay. a, there, I know there's a lot of other content that would draw people on there. Uh, I guess like the Studio Ghibli movies are on there, oh, uh, that's, which is that's pretty nice. cool. I do like those a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, like my friend was telling me Seven Samurai. I forget what other ones he said because that was the one that stood out to me. And I had already seen all the ones that he said, um, but that's on there. Uh, they have a lot of that stuff, so it's a good, a good way because the only way you can watch them streaming apparently, like they're on this HBO service. Um, Criterion Collection actually has their own streaming service. It doesn't have their full body of movies available, but a lot of samurai movies are available. So yeah, I think I've heard about out. this, yeah. So I actually just signed back up for it uh, for a free trial for a couple of weeks because uh, they twice a year they have at Barnes Noble they'll have a, a 50% off sale on Criterion movies. And I was looking at them 
debating whether or not I wanted to buy one for my birthday, but I'm like, well, I still have, I bought this big box set of Zatoichi movies. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a a blind swordsman. Uh, So his, his movies are good and different because he's blind. Uh, His like blind people in that era were just like, look completely looked down upon. Um, So like his kind of how he, how he interacts with people is very different. Um, But he's like the best swordsman, you know? Uh, but hmm. I bought a, a big box set of the, it's like twenty five movies. And I'm about halfway through it now. I got um, a couple of uh, like it's a, a DVD set of two Lady Snowblood movies. Um, I have you know like I have Seven Samurai. I have Yojimbo, Sanjiro. I've already watched all those though. I got um, Kagamusha. That's the first Kurosawa movie I've seen. I want to rewatch it because it was actually on Netflix at one time, and that was why I tried it. Gosh, I got the Samurai Trilogy, which is all based on uh, Miyamoto Musashi, um, which is the samurai that um, Usagi Yojimbo is based off of. Okay. So basically, like, I've gotten into samurai stuff because I got into Usagi Yojimbo. I got into Usagi Hmm. Yojimbo because I was a Ninja Turtle fan, and a friend of mine that was a Ninja Turtle fan was also actually a bigger Usagi fan. So, like, he got me to check more into Usagi... I started reading that more, then I wanted to start to see the influences on it, and that's what got me into uh, manga a little bit, that's what got me into samurai movies, Kurosawa, and all that kind of stuff, so it's funny how stuff goes, like, the most random little thing is, like, open up this whole big uh, category for me. Yeah, you know, I I avoid a lot of TV and movie-type services because I have such a backlog of other types of entertainment. I, I mean, I have between hundreds and thousands of comics on my to read list i have dozens of books that i'd like to get to and read and it it makes it difficult for me to choose okay like tv is the thing that i'm going to spend time on um so i i tend to just you that that to me is is like lower on the totem pole of entertainment that I want to consume in my life or content that I want to consume in my life um, that I just kind of don't get to that stuff as often. Yeah. No, I can understand that. I have the, like my reaction to something that I'm paying for is like, I got to get the most out of it, you know? So yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. We typically like, we, we don't use a whole bunch of streaming services at once. Like we don't have cable. We don't even have Netflix right now, which mm-hmm. is like the staple for, for pretty much everybody. I think. We have Amazon Prime, but the only reason we've been keeping it is because of the convenience of having Prime shipping, and I think we just kind of got used to it because we were watching stuff on Prime for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we'll uh, we'll get rid of it again because of that, but we haven't really been watching anything, but then we, like, I signed up for Disney Plus when it came out, and then we had like a free trial of Hulu and we used to hate Hulu. I hated Hulu's interface and they had also had a, just an awful body of stuff that was available. If you weren't trying to actually actively keep up with shows, they had, they didn't have like any good runs of anything. Hmm. It's changed a lot. And the interface on Hulu is much better. Plus they have like full runs of a lot of stuff. And my wife is very much the type that she like, she gets into a show and she just binges through that one show until it's done. She doesn't watch other stuff. She doesn't like dabble in a whole bunch of different stuff, you know? Yeah. My wife has been binging scrubs on Hulu. Yeah, exactly like that. Right. 
So with Disney Plus and Hulu, you can get the the bundle where it's like it's thirteen bucks a month for Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, which I haven't really tapped into using that, but it's basically free. Because if you play for pay for Disney Plus and Hulu separately, like that's the cost. You're literally paying a, a penny for ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, cool. like being a sports fan, that does have a lot of good content that I'm looking forward to when I'm when I want to, you know. So, anyways, yeah. like Disney Plus and Hulu offers so much variety with what we can watch. Like I've been slowly watching through all the Marvel movies again. When I watch Star Wars, like that's where I'm going to be watching them. You know, uh, there's stuff for my son on there. Hulu gives us a variety of TV shows and stuff like that. So I don't think that's going anywhere anymore now because there's enough there that I like I want to have access to, even with the fact that we don't constantly watch TV. But anything else is like, I mean, normally we only keep one streaming service. Like we're already, we've kind of upped it to a little bit more variety, but like I'm not going to keep uh, like the Criterion channel. Like what I would probably do is is subscribe to it for like a month and watch a bunch of stuff and then cut it off for a while and then i mm-hmm. won't go back to it until i like i want to watch some movies that i don't have access to that's a good idea that's a, a really smart way to do it yeah then you end up not wasting like how much did you pay to rent fear and loathing like four bucks maybe as like I, I think it was like two or three dollars well, it wasn't bad. that much but yeah you know so it's like i think it's uh 10.99 for criterion so if mm-hmm. i want to watch I mean, Criterion movies, you can't just go rent on Amazon like that, you know? Oh, but it, really? Like, with, yeah, they're, so, I mean, I'm surprised they're streaming on HBO because, like, they're not just available, like, they're usually harder to find, which okay. is why, like, um, you have to buy them. I mean, they, even on their own streaming service, like, every movie that they have available in their Criterion collection isn't available on their streaming service. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know the whole picture yet, but, um. Yeah, so, like, those movies are more expensive. So, like, if I sign up for a month, if I watch, like, a few movies, I'm going to get my value's worth out of it. But then I know I'm not going to watch them that consistently to where I want to keep it all the time. What I've found is, like, I I like just renting movies now more, like I did with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, It kind of goes back to what we were saying about video games, about just only buying ones when you know, okay, I'm going to play this right now and enjoy it and, and skipping on stuff just cause it's on sale. If you think about like streaming services as like what's on sale, you know, because it's free after you've paid for that. Uh, I find like I'll spend less on renting the specific things that I really want to watch right now than I would on another additional streaming service. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to watch, I think it was, Dazed and Confused. I had never seen it, and my wife was talking about it. And you can watch it on Hulu, but you have to, like, pay for the Stars upgrade. And I think it's, like, 7 bucks a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we were able to do a free trial of it for, like, a week. So we did yeah, that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, we, we watched Dazed and Confused, and we kind of poked around the other movies. And we're like, meh. I mean, we could find stuff to watch on there, but we'd basically be choosing something to watch just to choose something to watch. And why pay an extra seven bucks a month for that? So yeah. we, we just we canceled it. You know, it's, yeah. I like I even challenge myself with like, do I want to get something on Redbox or not? Because a lot of times I'll rent movies on Redbox. Like I got, um, I had a, like a rent one get one free code. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get a couple movies. There was something I wanted to get for my son. They didn't have it. So I got Birds of Prey and I got Joker. That evening I put Joker in first. It shows a preview of Birds of Prey. That preview made me go. I don't really want to watch that right now. 
So mm-hmm. I already decided not to watch one of the two movies. And then I pushed myself and I got through like half of Joker and finally stopped. I was like, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I don't want to watch this. I so, haven't seen Joker, but my thoughts from just looking at previews are like, this is not content that I want to absorb right now. It looked like it was just uh, indulgent sick kind of storytelling but masquerading is like high quality storytelling that's kind of what it feels like uh if you like if you strip away the character like you could have this movie without it being the joker and it not really be very different and i mean from what i've seen this has nothing to do with any joker story i've ever seen so I, I don't have any problem with, with comics, whether it's like comic books or comic movies or anything doing that and like telling a completely different story with a character just for the sake of telling the story. But if you strip away the character and I'm not thinking of it in the context of the character and just in the context of the story, it's not a story I want to watch right now. And it's not a story I'm likely to want to watch. And I think a lot of the criticism of it just kind of, you know, swimming in like, I don't know, kind of glorifying like being well crazy kind of what it seemed like is like it's glorifying being sick and violent yeah and that is not interesting to me at all yeah it just, it, it it didn't hit right with me and i'm but yeah so like even with Redbox, like okay i spent two bucks and i still went like eh, i shouldn't have done this with these movies uh, but I mean, part of it too, is the time investment. Like you said, you don't have a lot of time to waste on movies. I always go into a movie with, I'm going to enjoy this. Like if I'm going to spend the time, my purpose is to enjoy it, not to find reasons to complain about it and not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So to, for me to run into a movie where I legitimately like go, Nope. Okay. I spent an hour. I'm going to stop it now. And I really feel like I wasted that hour. That, yeah. that that's more of a cost to me than the two bucks I spent to rent it. You know, when I used to get caught up on a lot of movies is when I used to do a lot more international travel. And when I did a lot more international travel for work and I had to do like 12 and 18 hour plane rides several times a year, that was a really good chance to just watch a lot of recent movies because those are always chock full of all the big movies that were in theaters over the last year or or two so that's for a while that was like my only real source of watching modern current movies and now that's i'm not traveling like that anymore so i'm missing out on a lot but i'm (laughs) not really missing it (laughs) yeah i mean that's it's like when i used to have to drive like 40 minutes to go to work i kept up with a lot of podcasts I don't drive very long now, so I, I usually only try to listen to one different podcast at a time, and I just I listen to what I feel like, just like, you know, most people would, you know, read comics or, you know, whatever. Like, you just do Like what how you everyone's like. dropping all the other podcasts and just listening to ours now. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, at least we're giving the people the option of one more podcast to drop in favor of another one, too. There we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, having those times, like... It's really like the, that's filling your time with something that just the time needs to be filled some way. And that's like, that's, that's a cool way to go about that stuff. Like I'd rather do that than feel like I have to keep up with TV shows or I have to keep up with, you know, podcasts, movies, books, comics, anything like that. Like you have to, and that's why like minimizing streaming services is good for me because I don't want to feel like I have to keep using it to make it valuable. 
It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not like you can't cancel it and then sign back up. There's no like contract. There's no like penalty. Like no, you canceled us. You can't sign back up for two months or something. You know, just cancel it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, n- I never even really thought about that. I just kind of budgeted into my monthly thing that okay, I I get Netflix and I get Amazon Prime because I'm I'm signed up for Amazon Prime and. Beyond that, well, I got Disney Plus because it has this, all the Star Wars stuff. So that was kind of a no-brainer to me. But beyond that, I'm pretty um, judicious about what I get and try to really look at it as, eh, is this something I really want? Or is it just kind of like something I'm thinking about to take up some time? Yeah, I think that's a good way. To, like, I think I'm about the same place. Like, I'm getting a few of the things you just mentioned. And I'm judiciously thinking about the Criterion channel, and I signed up for a free trial. I started watching a movie yesterday, which was the day I signed up. Uh, I still have a little bit to go to finish that one. I'm going to try to watch at least a few more, uh, and then I might even cancel it before the free trial is up. Or I might go, okay, uh, I've enjoyed this. I'm going to pay for one month and enjoy it a little bit more, and then I'll cancel it. Because I know I'm not going to keep up the pace with watching movies. The one thing that's on there that I want to try to make use of is uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub movies uh, based on the manga. Are they animated? No. Uh, I don't think they had an animated one. They're they're live action movies from like the 70s. Really? And they're, they're, I didn't know that even existed. They're not really my cup of tea necessarily because they're, they're pretty gratuitous. Like it's over the top violence and, you know, like it's not like the Kurosawa movies where there's violence but it's not like gratuitous blood spraying you know there's mm-hmm. not like nudity in the kurosawa movies there's nudity in the lone wolf and cub movies like it's uh it's i guess you'd say it's like exploit exploitive exploitative how do you say that word however you say that yeah, word that sounds right exploitative all right so it's i think it's kind of more like that you know it's it's gratuitous um, I wa- I know I've watched the first one but I don't remember it super well um, but I want to watch through them because I they had a, a collection of the movies uh, that I was looking at like last year with the Criterion cell I was just mentioning. It's like a $100 set, but then it'd be 50 bucks. And I decided last year not to get it. Now I'm finding it's not available. Like you, you can still find it places, but not for half off. I'm certainly not going to spend 100 bucks on it. So that's kind of my goal is I want to watch through those movies. So I've watched them um, while they're definitely available on the, the streaming service. And yeah, and then not mind the fact that i don't own them i don't want to get caught up in that like i have to own stuff thing you know yeah so have you read lone wolf and cub yeah i'm still working through it but i i had gotten the paperback omnibus and i read all of that and i really liked it and then i discovered that the omnibuses were fairly like there it was hard to find all of them so then i was trying to figure out how to go about getting them to read and then i realized that they had like the first nine volumes on comiXology unlimited and then they oh, always okay. have sales on Comixology, and it's Dark Horse. And Dark Horse tends to have good sales. So I got Comixology Unlimited, read through the nine volumes that were available on there for free, which was, I think the Omnibus was about like two and a half volumes, um, something like that. So I read through what they had on there with the Unlimited service. And then uh, when they had sales, I purchased the rest because each volume is, I think on sale was only like four or five bucks. So actually, okay. I have them all pur- purchased digitally, and I'm like, I'm slowly working through them still because there's a lot. Is it good? Like, do you, do you like it? Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, 
it's the first manga that I read, and I haven't read much manga, and I'm I'm actually trying to branch out into manga some now to get some change of pace because I'm kind of finding myself getting bored with comics. Hmm. Okay. And it's a different feel, and there, I mean, there's it's a lot of stuff that I know I've never tapped into. So, yeah, it's definitely a different feel. It, it almost feels like there's an, an well, it's because there is an entirely different visual language that they use in manga that isn't really used in Western comics. Yeah, plus different kinds of stories too. Like I'm reading, you know, Lone yeah. Wolf and Cub is a, an assassin slash samurai story. I've read um, what was available to me uh, of Blade of the Immortal, which is really interesting. It's about an assassin who uh, wants to atone for all of his past of murdering people. He's immortal because, like, a, a witch put worms in his body that, like, actually heals him so he can't die. Um, I feel like I've read some of that at some point in my journeys. Yeah, it's uh, once I push through the beginning of it, because the beginning wasn't really drawing me in that much but once you get rolling into the story because like the story ends up he meets up with this girl who wants to um who wants to atone for her parents murder so it's like a revenge story but there's kind of more to it and the girl even though like mentally can know she wants revenge is still having trouble with actually seeking out the revenge uh, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting story and a good one though. But so I I was interested in branching out to other stuff because like I don't want to just read a bunch of samurai stories, you know. Kind of like with the Criterion movies, like I'm trying to branch out to beyond just samurai movies. Mm-hmm. So I I had tweeted out a while ago and asked if anybody had suggestions for manga, and you know of course like uh, many things, if you hit onto something that somebody loves, you end up getting a lot of suggestions. So I ended up getting 21 suggestions for books oh, that are um, way too many. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, it's just overwhelming. Like I don't even know how to like dig into this, but I got 21 suggestions and that's throwing out the ones that either I had already read or knew of, you know, so just the ones that were kind of mm-hmm. new to me or that I really hadn't given a chance yet. So I went on Twitter. I was like, let's have some fun with this. And I, I put a bunch of Twitter polls, just like putting them head to head. I just did it all randomly. I used a random number generator and because there were 21, I had to pick one to, like, throw out and, like, just give, like, a bye to the next round. Um, and then after I did the first round, I decided, you know what? Instead of doing it this way, let's make, like, a 16-book a tournament. So that way it's, like, we can kind of keep going get from a there. Winner. So I, I took a few of the losers, plus I threw one book that I know I'm eventually going to pick up anyways um, mm-hmm. into the top 16. So I'll give you a little rundown here. Yeah, um, let's do it. So round one, which is done... Uh, I have Akira, which of course is probably the best mo- known manga, I guess. Like, yeah, really up there. I've read, I've read all of that, and I love it. I thought it was really great, R- really weird, and because I uh, read it after I watched the anime, and the anime is an incredibly condensed version of like maybe the first one or two volumes plus a little bit from some of the later stuff, but the comic just like spins insanely further than the anime ever did. Yeah. And I loved it. I I saw the anime when I was uh, much younger, like probably a teenager still like a high school or just out of high school. I don't remember it at all. Um, I haven't read the manga. Uh, I've seen it. Like it's even the first volumes available at my library. 
Um, but I haven't read it yet. So, like, but that's one that I know is like a no doubt worth checking out. So I'm right now. I'm a little more interested in things that are weirder, less well known, less well known. Mm-hmm. So that one went up against Kingio used books. Which is a, a manga about a used bookstore that sells manga. So it's like, you know, playing with the genre. It's, it's very meta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that one actually, uh, a friend of mine on Twitter, uh, Ed Moore, who does uh, a podcast about Usagi Yojimbo and probably some other stuff. He's actually sending them to me to, to read and then I'm going to send them back to him. So I'm, that's going to cool. be, even though that, that one got smoked by Akira, um, that's going to be one of the first things I read. It's the real winner, yeah. is what you're telling me. So the uh, the the next one is Ghost in the Shell, once again insanely well known. Oh yeah, I've read that too. Uh, against Wandering Island, also being sent to me by Ed. So those are the the two biggest losers of the first two things I'm going to read because they they went Interesting. up. Interesting. They they did against poorly, so they got low seeds, so they had to go up against the uh, the best known ones, and they got killed. Um, See, I, I don't think I would say I don't think I would recommend Ghost in the Shell for manga. It is good and it's fine, but it reminds me like I feel like I remember it as just kind of more of a straightforward action story, yeah, than anything else. It it didn't seem to do anything much more than just what it was trying to do, which was be a cool action story in, in my mind. So yeah. it's like. It's one of those, it's solid but not spectacular mangas. That's what I remember it as. I could see that. I've never read it. I've ne- I've never watched the cartoons. I, I haven't watched any, like, they had that movie not that long. I haven't seen any of it. So, like, but I, it's one of those things you can't help but be somewhat aware of what it is. Yeah. So I'll check it out at some point. But once again, that's one that, like, it's never going to go anywhere. Like, it's, it's going to keep being published because it's popular enough. Yeah. Um, but Wandering Island, I'm looking forward to, uh... That like I said, Ed's sending me the first. I think he said volume or two because that one is not complete. So he's sending me what he has of it, but it sounds interesting. Uh, next up is Drifting Classroom, beating A Bride's Tale. Drifting Classroom. That title caught my eye. Looking in um, Bull Moose, which is a like music book game store that's a local chain. Um, mm-hmm. Just the title caught my eye because like you're looking at manga. It's like how how do you how do you even find what to look at? You know. So the title caught my eye and it looked interesting and I've heard a lot of good things about it since starting to post this stuff. So like that one I'm looking forward to checking out definitely. Um, then we have 20th Century Boys beating out Buddha. Uh, then we have Ultraman beating Fist oh, of the... Yeah. Buddha, that's one... I feel like I've either read it or heard about it. I, I can't remember... Shoot. <laughs> this is one of those I I feel like I recollected more about this than uh than I actually do now that I started talking. <laughs> Basically, this is a fancy way of saying, "Oh, I've heard of that." Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I think I I read some of it at some point. Yeah, a lot of these are kind of like that. Like you start to look at them and you're like, "Oh, that that rings a bell." Um next round, Ultraman beat out Fists of the North Star. Uh, then we got Monster beat JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and then Berserk beat Dementia 21. Berserk is one Ooh, I've been Berserk. hearing more about lately, uh, but I also know that it's fairly graphically violent, so I'm not... Yeah. It's hard for me to say, because I, I don't tend to like stuff that's gratuitous, so I, I'm not sure if that's going to end up like dissuading me, uh, but I, I've heard so much good stuff about it, too, that I'm going to check it out at some point. I've watched uh, the anime of Berserk. And it is very violent. 
but it feels like it's it's violent in the sense that it's about very violent people. Yeah. And so it's it's showing yeah, it's probably kind of gratuitous and and it may kind of show more of that violence than it needs to, you know, in the in that you talked about the Kurosawa way of it's it has violence but it's not like blood spraying all over the place. This is probably is a bit more of like blood spraying all over the place type of violence. Yeah. But it I don't know, in some way it seems like a little more a little a little more subtlety to it than that. It's a really gnarly story is what I remember. The anime is just nutso. Really really nutso and really cool. It's a, a manga that I've been interested to read because what I've heard is that what's captured in the anime is essentially like the first two volumes of the manga, and then it just kind of goes and goes and goes from there. Yeah. They have um, some nice hardcover deluxe editions out. And uh, have you ever used in-stock trades to order books? Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. So you know about that. So Dark Horse Books and Dark Horse publishes it, you know, in the U.S., Um it, or they're always 42% off on in-stock trades. That's a pretty big discount. Yeah. So it's a $50 deluxe edition. So 42% off means it's less than $30. And it's it's big. It got a lot of stuff in there. So like if you know you like it, I would I would say dive in that way. One good um, thing about the, them also, just to, to plug our non-sponsors there, <laughs> they ship really well. They, they, pack, they package it super they well. They package stuff up really, really well so that it shows up in good condition. That's one thing that I, I really like because I've placed big orders of hardcover books and they always, they like use this super future foam stuff. Yeah. To pack it's it not in. like Amazon where you order a book and they throw it in a box with like one of those bubbles yeah. and it just gets beat to hell. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. They, they package it well. So you actually get it and they have, you know, like if you spend over 50 bucks, you get free shipping, but it's the shipping option where it's like they strap it to a turtle and, um, you know, then put the turtle on a log in a river and hope it gets there, sort of. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's the one where, like, UPS delivers it as slowly as possible to your local post office. And then hopefully it doesn't get lost in interim. Mm-hmm. And um, then eventually the post office finds it and delivers it to your house. Though, granted, I've always I've always received everything eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, too. So, like, with the pandemic going on, I had placed an order and, uh, you know, Shipping got delayed, no problem. You know, I'm not really worried. But the thing is, the tracking only goes until they deliver it to the post office. And then the tracking stops because the tracking is through UPS. Once they deliver it to the post office, they're done. Mm. So I waited a week after it said it was supposed to be delivered. And it had said it had been delivered to my post office. Then I emailed them and said, I haven't gotten this. It's been a week. No, actually, I take that back. I looked at their website and it said, if anything is missing, let us know within two days. So I said, it's been two days. Um, I just wanted to check in with you guys and see what the right thing to do was because I didn't want to wait too long and then Miss your like, chance. have it. Yeah, basically your website says two days. So I wanted to like make sure I was timely. So they said um, give it X amount of time longer, like another couple of days or whatever. And if it's not there, then contact us again and we'll start looking into doing a replacement order. So that time passes. I emailed them and said I still haven't gotten it. Um, and then I got it like I think the next day. Oh. So I emailed them back and said, hey, I got it. They, they hadn't responded to you know my second email yet. I said, I got it. Thank you. We're all good. So it took a while. And you know with that shipping method, like basically they showed me if it didn't get to me, they would work it out and send me another order. So that, make, that makes me like not deterred to continue to use that shipping method because 
there's, you know, it doesn't help you a lot to get good discounts on books if then you're... If they don't actually arrive. If the turtle gets lost in space. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, like that's one that I know, especially anything published by Dark Horse, like if you want to check it out, like I'll kind of get a list of that stuff together and eventually I'll pay up, I'll place an order through them to get some volumes of different stuff to, to try it out. So anyways, to, to wrap up the, the round one list, uh, Vagabond, which is the one I know I'm eventually going to get because that is about, uh, Miyamoto Musashi that lost out to Nausicaa. Hmm. which is the one that I gave the, the the buy when I was first trying to figure out how to do this. And I took the, the six books that I didn't graduate into the 16-round tournament, and I gave them a, a loser's bracket. So I got a three-way battle between Drifting Dragons, Pluto, and Doro Hidoro, and Pluto won that. And I got Slam Dunk versus Children of the Whales versus Appleseed, and Appleseed won that. That was round one. So that, that's all the books that, that I got recommendations on. So like I'm, I have the list of all these, and at some point... This kind of gives me something to continually kind of check out. So if I want something new, I have a list to go to. Cool. And round two isn't technically done yet. Um, there's eight hours left, but I, I really doubt the voting is going to change. Um, Akira is killing Nausicaa. Ultraman is beating 20th Century Boys. Um, it looks like only by a couple of votes. But once again, like I, I also know the voting is probably pretty much done. Drifting Classroom is barely beating out Monster. Ghost in the Shell is Smoking Berserk. Ghost in the Shell and Akira are just going to end up being the, the two that make it to the end. Yeah, um, probably. And then in the loser's bracket, Appleseed is beating Pluto. So that'll wrap up, and then I'll go on to the, the next round, the final four, and so on from there. But anyways, it's um, I just thought it'd be fun to do to, to do that and like, have a way for people to be able to like engage with it. and you know, like Everybody gets into sharing their opinions, but usually if you say, hey, do you have suggestions, what people do is they rattle off this book, this book, this book, and that's it. Like, there's no more conversation. I'm like, all right, having a list of titles doesn't do me that much good. Uh-huh. Especially when most of these, like, I can't go to the bookstore and see them because they're they're randomly in stock. But um, making it a little bit bigger of a conversation, I get people telling me what, you know, what King Yo's used books is about, which is one that if somebody just said the title, okay, I write down the title, but I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to check it out in person to know if I want to read it or not, you know? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in manga that just like topics that would never be done in Western comics. I know I had mentioned something to you. It's uh, like Project X and it's uh, it's about the creation of instant ramen soup and it uses the hyper dramatized uh, visual language of manga to tell something that's a pretty boring story which is how these guys came up with like nissan like instant ramen soup as a product back in like the 50s or something but you know it just gets into this very exciting like no it must cook faster and you know like this very like overly dramatic ways of telling a very mundane story and (laughs) it's that uh that mix of those two things makes it extremely entertaining so the the book that kind of made me think about reading manga, and this book isn't a manga, but it's what um, I think kind of made me realize that I, I needed uh, to read different types of comics. Um, like when I started reading comics, I told, I told you this before, but like I didn't want to touch superhero stuff. So it's like it's no surprise to me that I'm also kind of getting tired of superhero stuff and even getting tired of some of the other stuff that isn't superhero stuff that I was enjoying. But I read um, Black Hole. By, I think it's Charles Burns, if I'm remembering his name right. I'm off to double check that, but uh, it's 
Apparently, so it was apparently published by Fantagraphics as individual issues. Oh, bl- I think okay, the, yeah, the, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't want to get into the the story super big uh, because it's really more like less about the story and more about like how people emotionally deal with stuff, I guess. Uh, but basically, it's about uh, teenagers, and there's like a disease that gets transmitted sexually. But it basically causes them to mutate and become freaks in different ways. And some people's mutations are, are, you know, less obvious. Some people are, like, really, really scary looking. So, like, X-Men, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Except not awesome. (laughs) Like, not being awesome that you have these mutations. Yeah, but this book is kind of dark and weird and, and... it's it's strange and like it deals with like obsession it deals with depression but it like it really like i flew through it and i like i kind of realized like i need other kinds of things to to engage with and often those aren't the things that are you see it and go ooh, i want that like you look at the cover of this book and you don't go like oh man look at that cover you know, it's a cover of like uh, a drawing of like a kid's like yearbook picture, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I, that's what I remember having seen yeah. it around uh, when when you said Fantagraphics that put it all together to me that I remembered it being a Fantagraphics book. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so like this like collection or whatever that they must have just republished this recently because suddenly I'm seeing it all the time. But then somebody recommended it on Twitter, so I went okay. Like I keep on seeing that. Now you say how good it is. I'm going to check it out. I went to Bull Moose and like the cover price on it's only like 20 bucks. I got it for 14 bucks at Bull Moose because they always have a discount on their books. And like I said, I just I flew through reading it. I read it over the course of a few days and uh, it was good. Uh, It was strange. It was weird. It definitely isn't for everybody. Um, It'll definitely make you think and make you feel uncomfortable. But like I said, that's what kind of got me thinking like I need to read some different stuff. So anyways, that's what opened it up to me wanting to read manga and i sent you a picture i'm reading uh the death note all in one collection is the fattest freaking trade paperback size book you could find yeah i've read that and i enjoyed that as just kind of a quick fun read it, it it's one of those that i don't think it ever really transcends what it is that much but it it does bring up some really interesting it plays with some interesting moral questions i would yeah. say i i don't know how far into it are you uh only a few issues like i just finished like the third issue if you call it that obviously that's not very like i'm 100 pages into the book and it's hardly a dent in this book yeah sure um so he he got the death note book he starts killing criminals the police start catching on to him the character of l has been introduced okay yeah and his uh like the end of the third issue is showing that his dad is like the chief of police yeah okay all right so you have kind of like the the basics of all the the source of the drama put in place it just kind of keeps going with this uh how l is searching for i I forget his name the the death note kid his name is light and the the, like media calls him kira that's right yeah yeah light kira the, the the battle between L and Kira is really what drives the first half of the series and I, I think I really enjoyed it just as a as a drama you know it's, it's just an interesting 
kind of action-packed it's it's more of a drama yeah. i would say than an action book there's not a ton of action it's much more about who knows what who's figuring out what who's in danger from whom and and then all wrapped up with these really weird moral questions of if you could just start killing bad people would you but then who are you to decide who's bad and who isn't? And then once you do that, is it like then this slippery slope of, well, I killed this bad person. This person's almost as bad as that person. You, you know, yep. it, it, it like it, it does do an interesting job of uh, playing with those really, really interesting moral questions in, in a way, but that also just keeps it fun and enjoyable to read. Yeah, one of the things I love too is that it um it's not necessarily like making the most intricately woven plot points. It does the thing where it takes things for granted that are not mm-hmm. quite as cut and dry. Like, ah, I figured this out because of this, this, and this. It's like, what you're that's not exactly how that works, but like they, they just they tell you like this is this because of this, even though that's not really enough math to make it work uh-huh. and that it has to be that way but it's kind of enjoyable it's like you don't have to actually make everything you know like think about any like movie or story when um you have a plot hole that's ignored and then all the fans just go like no that but this and you know they're basically like they know that there are plot holes and they're just going like this is this and they're flat out telling you and like yeah it's kind of enjoyable like of course like the super interwoven stories are great you know, when all those details are there and you go like, oh, my gosh, it is that way. But it's also kind of fun when it's like you're trying to figure out how things are going to work out. And then you just flat out tell you, like, this worked out this way because of this. And yeah. okay, you just accept it. Like, they're just telling you, like, how you're moving from this point to this point, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. There are a lot of those kind of narrative shortcuts that happen in, in yeah. that. I think that that's probably fairly typical of manga in general, at least the more commercial manga the more mainstream manga which i i think death note is probably one of the more popular of the more mainstream manga out there yeah it it seems like you know it's not a small indie title as far as manga goes it's you know it's it's kind of like the a batman of manga titles yeah i mean we could make that a give a volume you you gotta be popular (laughs) yeah yeah exactly popular material yeah yeah. Well, we uh I think we touched on one of the things that we planned to. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I I had a a couple other things that I had in mind to talk about. Go for it. Well, I I've been reading Age of Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I've never read it before because the 90s was a time in comics when after about 92 or 93 I completely checked out of comics because I was a teenager. So it was like punk rock in high school was more important to me than comics. And so I missed everything from about 1992 to 2000 when I started reading comics again in college. So all of that, that entire chunk of comics history is mostly lost to me. And I'm only getting it when I go back to revisit it. So that's that's setup number one. S- setup number two is that I've been rereading all of X-Men from giant size X-Men number one on up. 
And I've been reading all the associated titles, so like New Mutants, X-Factor, and then eventually X-Force, and uh, Excalibur, all these other spin-off titles that are part of the X family. I'm essentially trying to reread the entire thing, uh, experiencing it how it was as it came out. So um, typically I'll read a few of one title, a few issues of one title, a few issues of the next title, a few issues of the next title, read the big crossover that has all those titles then, then read a few of the of one title, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm finally to the point where I just got to Age of Apocalypse, which has kind of been a goal of mine throughout this entire reading that I really just wanted to get to Age of Apocalypse so I could experience that as it was published and see how it spun out of what was coming out at the time. And uh, I am not disappointed at all. there's, There's a lot in the 90s that is good and there's a lot that is not as good and the the quality does kind of vary but i have just been really really enjoying diving into age of apocalypse for the first time i feel like everybody working on it really brought their a game to it to really try to make the stories really engaging and I feel rewarded for really diving into it and reading it slowly and carefully. And, and I have been taking my time because I'm only, I'm only mostly through the first month of it. So I'll read maybe like one issue a night of something to really like make sure I'm, I'm absorbing it. Another thing I'm doing, uh, most of my X-Men reading I do digitally but I decided to actually break out my actual issues for this. So I'm actually reading the physical copies of the comics for all of this, which is a, another really fun experience. It's, I, I feel like I get a, a different, uh, I get more out of it when I read the physical issue. For some reason, actually having the original format that it comes in makes me engage with it more than when it's just on an iPad screen. Yeah, I I agree. That's how I'm reading X-Men now. And I'm at issue like 246, 247, like right around there. Like right after the first Jubilee. Yeah. Um, I I haven't really been reading it much in a while. Part of it is because I am reading it as as individual issues now. But I finally got stuff sorted out a little bit. So I have my next chunk of reading in one of those uh, like comic folio boxes, you know. So it's like I kind of have it like chalked up. I don't have to pull it out of my short box. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Like, it's a very different experience reading it that way. And, like, I, one thing, like, in all sorts of things, like, I'm trying to find ways to engage with things that slow you down and, like, really engage you. Like, I mean, we just talked about watching movies with subtitles where it's like you have to be fully engaged. Reading a, you know, an individual issue of a comic book is the comic equivalent of that. There's so many ways to make it easier. But, like, when you're reading an old issue and you don't want to destroy it, too you know Mm -hmm. like you you're showing you're slowing down you know yeah so that's pretty cool that you're reading it that way the first time i read age of apocalypse was actually like the first x-men i ever read which is the worst way to go into it well actually i'm i'm not completely sure about that because i i feel like one of the things that is really great about age of apocalypse is that 
they crafted it in such a way that you can just jump into it. And I feel like it would make sense. You don't really need to know much because it does kind of just explain everything that's going on to explain the world. What you miss out is on the the interesting things between, oh, whoa, Beast is evil now, and whoa, Magneto's like who Charles Xavier became, and he took up that mantle, and like, whoa, like Wolverine and Jean Grey, they're together, and they're like, you know, it's you miss those aspects of it, which is the how this world is so drastically different from our world, but I feel like it's crafted well enough that it explains itself in such a way that you could just jump into it and understand the story just on its own terms. It does. That's definitely true. But my experience was I had not read X-Men comics. So my experience of X-Men is the movies and the the cartoon. So, you know, uh, you you have a basic understanding of the characters. So then I'm in the bookstore and I'm looking for an X-Men trade to get. And of course I'm trying to look for something that's fairly thick. So I'm like, I want to get some, you know, like a solid story. And I come across that, and I look at it, and it says, this is a, a fan favorite story. So I'm like, okay, okay, that should be good, right? If it's a fan favorite, like, this should be good. Like, it should, you know. So I get it, I'm reading, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? None uh-huh. of this makes any sense. It's still, like, I did end up reading the whole thing over time, and I enjoyed it. And, I mean, you just mentioned 90s comics, and, like, there's a reason I didn't get into comics until I was an adult, and that's because 90s comics made me not want to read comics. Because that was, like, exactly the age where I was at the right age to start being interested. And, like, I saw what was there. I was like, I don't want this. But for for as 90s as it is in ways, like you said, the, the story is really well put together as a whole. It's fun. It's, but if you're just looking to go into it and have fun. You know, and there's characters that I probably never would have been um, exposed to. Like, Blink was a character that stood out to me that I've never seen in anything else. Yeah, you know? well, she's she shows up at the very first introduction of generation x for like before the generation x title even exists in the phalanx covenant we'll see and and this is kind of interesting like this is stuff that i only know because i read all the x-men leading up to this so it wasn't that long ago that i read phalanx covenant which is the crossover event right before age of apocalypse or, or not right before but that preceded age of apocalypse and it established this team called Generation X, which is kind of like the new New Mutants in a way. And there's a character of Blink in the story that introduces them. But she ends up dying in that first event. Like she sacrifices herself to save all the rest of the young mutants. So then a few months later when Age of Apocalypse starts and she's a prominent player, it becomes even more interesting be, be knowing that history of who she was in the regular Marvel universe. Hmm. So like, I, I think that that's, that's a case where like reading it all in order has added to my experience of yeah. reading age of apocalypse. Yes. I'm like, I, eventually I'll get there. I'm not reading all the peripheral titles, but I'm reading all the um, uncanny X-Men titles. And I did like, I had um, the Inferno event. On, like a digital trade of it on Comixology. So when I got to that, I actually read that that way, where it's crossing over with New Mut- New Mutants and whatever other titles it was crossing over with. Um, mm-hmm. So it was interesting to read that way. I will say it kind of made it bogged down a bit because it was like only a few X-Men titles, basically, that I would have gotten through a lot quicker. But uh, it often is good to read all the, the crossover titles. Um, Age of Apocalypse is definitely one where like it's such a... 
such a big story because you're building these characters that are all different than what you know them as that the the crossovers is is good yeah so like i i'm psyched that you're reading that um i don't know if you've seen but they actually have uh the what, what do they call the marvel the marvel legends figures oh yeah uh, uh-huh. the the ones that are currently out uh one of the series is is those x-men like the age of apocalypse era of x-men i have noticed that and yeah <laughs> I, i'm trying right now i only have one marvel legends action figure and I did actually just purchase a second one, but it's a very uh, non-Marvel Marvel Legends figure, if that makes sense. It's it's what is I, it? uh, Killmonger from the Black Panther movies. Okay, and I actually got him because it's not in when he like tries to dress up like Black Panther, but it's at the beginning when he's kind of just like paramilitary guy and i realized like he's actually going to fit in really well with my six inch gi joes and my (laughs) six inch action force when i get that so i've been kind of looking for these figures that um would fit into other teams that i do collect and so yeah and he stood out to me that like oh he, he would actually as as he exists as a marvel legends figure it would be a really cool addition to this other squad that I'm putting together of six inch figures because I am pretty much all in on the GI Joe six inch figures. Yeah. I finally found a display of them, but they were sold out of snake eyes. Snake eyes is the only one I'm going to get. Cause I definitely don't need to fall down that slippery slope. And I'm not a huge GI Joe fan, but I would like one figure. So I got to keep my eyes out for snake eyes. Yeah. Snake eyes is a good one and he should be, he'll be easier to get eventually. I think because uh, I think, He's being shipped two to a case while all the other figures are being shipped one to a case. So I think that, you know, in the long run, that's going to be a very widely available figure after the initial rush wears off. So far, the only place I've seen them is Walmart, which is part of what makes it hard because I hate going to Walmart. Oh, yeah. I I never go to Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, if anybody ever sees those somewhere else, let me know where you see them because I will minimize going to Walmart as much as possible. I went there the other day actually to check to see if they had restocked them. And it was one of the most awful experiences I've had this week. I am not surprised. I've I've been to a Walmart once in Southern California, and I hated it. I hated every moment of it. Yeah, yeah. We're and this is just not a happy time to go be around miserable miserable people, anyways. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we want to keep our time tight, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up, or should we save the rest for next time? Let's save the rest for next time. Let's 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 say let's just uh, leave the nuggets that oh man, we we had a, a many more things that we are planning to talk about in this episode that we didn't even get to. Yeah, so, I think we each specifically hit on maybe one of the things we were going to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. works out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this uh, this madness, everyone. We appreciate you could spend your time with many, many things as we've discussed in this very episode. And the fact that you've chosen to spend it with us is delightful. I also like that we test them with morals first and then get to the, the, the just gratuitous fun. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like last time the, like, the morals were at the, the back half of the episode. So we kind of snuck them in. But this time it's just going to be like in your face. It's like, here's your dose of morals. <laughs> you you got to get to this before <laughs> before you get some death note in Age of Apocalypse. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, good talking to you. Good, Absolutely. Good, uh, good being listened to by everybody else. Cool. All right. Later. Bye.